Step right into another episode of We Read It One Night, the podcast where two sisters take you on a wild ride towards sexy romance land. Today, we're chatting about The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie by Jennifer Ashley and looking at autism in historical times. Allison makes a compelling case for why autistic people are actually fairies. Rachel teaches you how to get away with murder in the Victorian era, but only if you're a woman. And we learn way more than we ever thought we would about Bing Bowls. Enjoy the show. I started watching the Abercrombie and Fitch documentary. It's a documentary? Yes, mm-hmm. about Abercrombie and Fitch. Seems like it'd be traumatizing. It, it was. I got like 15 minutes in and I was like, wow, I feel like I, even though I'm not wearing low-rise jeans, like I... Like I am, it's, it felt like it made me feel like I was wearing low rise jeans. You know I, I do mean? though. Yeah. I like their like shirts because their shirts were always like long and like fitted, but like very stretchy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is like the ideal shirt. I feel like. No, like I kind of, definitely, listen, yeah. Abercrombie and Fitch was stupid. I never bought jeans from there because I don't think they ever fit me because they were made for people that didn't have hips, but the shirts were good. Yeah. I had quite a, and they were like good quality, you know, yeah. like they were expensive, but they actually did last a long time. Yeah, exactly. Like the one, you know. like that shirt that I still have. What, like I am disappointed though, because the documentary was talking about it was like mentioning, and I know this is a thing about how there was always like they always had the shirtless men outside the stores. Like they would just have models like stand yeah. like at the entrance. Definitely and I don't think our Abercrombie and Fitch ever did that. Oh yeah, they did. I mean, it wasn't just men. It was just like they're remember. hot. It was, I don't know if they were shirtless, but they're hot employees. No, but it was like, like specifically, a specifically shirtless, like having no, shirtless men. No stand at like like live live versions of their bags interesting like yeah i was gonna say like, it's on the bag and i was like i know that's an abercrombie and fitch thing but our abercrombie and fitch never did that and i'm frankly disappointed that we didn't get the full abercrombie and fitch ex- experience yeah. also yeah. did you know abercrombie and fitch was like around since like the 19th I'd, century and they were like a sports store yeah i did know that like well that's dicks, what i was gonna say that's what i was gonna say is maybe they used to do the shirtless thing more in like the 90s or like earlier you know like maybe they stopped by the time we would have been like aware of it. No, I was like two thousand. I didn't set foot in a mall until I was like ten. I remember I was in fourth grade. It was the two thousand. I went to the mall for the first time. So if, it right, but, but that would have been that would have been like two thousand four. They were was still the first at their height. Sure, yeah. but I'm saying they were Abercrombie and Fish was still at its height when we were. I know. Like, I'm just saying maybe it was something they stopped there. at some point. I think our mall was just like a bunch of prudes. We did get that speech in middle school about yoga pants. Yeah, they did try to have like a a school wide assembly to like talk about the evils of yoga pants. My my, how the turntables! Thank God. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like people being like, "Oh, you can't wear leggings like unless your shirt is long enough to cover your butt." Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like the shirts in question would be like the aforementioned Abercrombie and Fitch shirts, which were also like skin tight. So it's like, what are you achieving exactly? Like you have a second layer of fabric, but like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so that you can't see your butt nipples, and they get hard on cold winter days. Of course, yeah. <laughs> That's a disturbing picture. Can you imagine having to sit? <laughs> I guess if everyone had those, well, no. How would it work? I was gonna say, if everyone you know had what those, it is? chairs would just have like have, cutouts. Um, if you have more than two children, so like if you have twins, fine. You only need the two nipples. But if you have like triplets or more, 
your body's like, well, no. we have to make enough nipples Are, for do you this. Not know about and this? so you get butt nipples. No, no. First of all, multiple nipples. Like you know, Chandler and Friends is always getting roasted. Multiple nipples are extremely yeah. Harry common. Styles has a third nipple, right? They're extremely common, and a lot of times you won't even know. Like for women, at least, or men and women, like you won't even know you have it. Like it'll, you could just be like look like a mole. Like there's like different stages of development. But for women, like sometimes when you have kids, they'll start lactating. So that's how nice. you know it's a nipple. But the most common nice. place to have it, unsurprisingly, is like think about it. Think about other mammals. Where are their nipples? It's basically from where our boobs are down to like their pelvis uh-huh. area. You know what I mean? Like belly button. Uh-huh. So there's like a – I forget what it's called, but it's like a nipple strip, kind of like a landing strip <laughs> that like like straight down your body, like goes straight down your chest down. And that's where it's most common to get it, like a long – it's called like the the – the duct, the mammary duct, like strip or something. Oh, yeah, the mammary glands. But I've heard of people getting them like underneath their armpit and stuff, and like all those other oh, random yeah, things. So I think it can really weird. be anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the chances of getting a third nipple on your butt are low, but never zero. <laughs> never zero. You never know. It could be like one of those twin situations, you know, where you like absorb. You ate your-, your twin. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of other things that were nipped in the bud, um, what? <laughs> the Lost City Love Triangle. What the. F- that was the worst transition I've ever experienced in my entire – like, I wanted to talk about The Lost City, but that was, like, wow. I just feel like I got crashed into by, like, a car on, like, Grand Theft Auto or I something. I just looked down like, at my notes, and that's the the wording I used. So it felt appropriate. Okay. Anyway, yeah, we saw The Lost City last night, and it was delightful. Highly Very recommend. Very good. Lots of laughs. Like, lots of, like, laugh out loud laughs from the entire audience, which I, I – Yeah, like, not I mean, just us being weird. Yeah. <laughs> It was very funny, and if you don't know, it's like a comedy romance adventure. Sandra Bullock is a romance novelist who gets kidnapped by Daniel Radcliffe. But basically what I'm getting at is that the love interest is Channing Tatum, but he hires briefly Brad Pitt to, like, come help rescue Sandra Bullock. Um, and Brad Pitt is this, like, you know, military, like, ex-military, like, rescue man. He's, like, you know, super hot. And so when they rescue them, like – Sandra Bullock is like into him and Channing Tatum is like it's like oh why are you stealing my lines like I'm supposed to rescue her like whatever and she's like into him and I was like ah oh, it's gonna be a love triangle and, but not five seconds after I thought that Spoiler. Brad Pitt gets shot in the brain <laughs> he's dead immediately they just immediately immediately flatten that nip that in the bud and you know what Bridgerton writers should have taken <laughs> should have taken notes on that one honestly because. It's not kill Edwina. Oh, my God. What book are we doing today? The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie. By, by? I have no idea. Jennifer Ashley. Jennifer Ashley. Well, actually, now I'm questioning that. I'm, I'm like 90% sure that that is. Yeah, Jennifer Ashley. The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie opens up. So this is the second time I read this. But the first time, I just remember – feeling like wait wait just first of all before we talk about the plot i just want to talk about the absolutely amazing titties on the cover of the audiobook <laughs> like truly just like spectacular like please if i remember like i'll post it like on our instagram story or something but like like truly immaculate like <laughs> this audiobook cover like it's just titties it like in a corset with like pearl like decadent pearls like it's it's <laughs> the most just a close-up like it's really just insane like i don't know who took the picture and i chose it for the audiobook but it was just like every time i opened the library app i was like wow a plus this is amazing (laughs) okay um anyway (laughs) so (laughs) this book was the same kind of like random like feeling of like um 
as in marrying winterborne how it opens up and i'm like i feel like i'm missing a lot of background here and in marrying winterborne i actually was because you told me i didn't need to read the first book but i definitely did here it's just like there's no this is the first book but it just feels very much like you're getting like all you hear about beth for the first time like secondhand and you're like who is this woman and you like hear about all this like like you get thrown like a lot of like random information about her previous life that like I don't know. It just seems very like not in the middle of the action, but like in the middle of the like characterization, if that makes sense, which is like, okay, it's fine afterwards. But like, I don't know. It was a little off-putting to me the first time, but I'm glad I like pushed past it. This seems like a you problem. Anyway, (laughs) in the first scene, as we're we're hearing about Beth, because we have Ian. Ian is on the autism spectrum. That's what his quote unquote madness is. He grew up, he is like the youngest son of a Duke and his like oldest brother is now the Duke. And he grew up, basically spent like almost his entire like childhood slash teenage years in an insane asylum, which this takes place in the Victorian era. So uh, you can just like, you know, try to imagine about how absolutely shit that was. He was rescued. His older brother, once he became the Duke, was like, got to get you out of there. Um, So now he just hangs around and buys ancient Ming bowls. Yep. And we hear about him because he's buying a bowl from this guy <laughs> named Mather, who's a dick and marrying Mrs. Beth Ackerley because she's rich. And Ian is like, hmm, um, I'm going to fuck with this guy. So I'm going to buy this bowl. And then I'm going to go break up his engagement because I can. (laughs) And he goes to the opera to meet Beth and is obsessed with her from like minute one, like literally looks at her and he's like, yep, we're going to get married. And then that's just that's his one track mind for the rest of the book. Yep. That's pretty no, much it. N- no opinions. No, nobody else gets to have a say. <laughs> he's like, Beth and I are gonna get married. He is, he's like, listen, I just want to fuck her, but like she's a she's like a respectable lady. So like I can't just like fuck her. Like I have to marry her too. And also <laughs> like I just really like being around her all the time and holding her hand, which he does no, when they no. meet in the opera. <laughs> Can I okay? So yeah, so he meets her and they're having this whole conversation with her fiance Mathers there. The whole time. And then you realize pages later, she'll be like, and he's still holding my hand. Like, it feels so nice around my hand. And I'm like, he's, it's like, it's been 20 minutes. And Mather's there the whole time. He shook her hand and he never let go. They're just like sitting at, like, they sit, they stand. He never lets go of her hand, Um, which is just wild. And basically, he came to the opera with a note. And he was like, oh, I was only going to give you this note if I, like, thought you were worthy of saving, which, like, all right, kind of a dick movie in, but, like, whatever. He gives her a note, and it's basically, like, tells her about how shitty Mather, her fiancé, is. But the entire thing is just kink-shaming. Like, Mather basically is into – he's a sub, and he likes to hire women to, like, you know – be doms, like, be dominatrix. Be doms, basically, yeah. yeah. And it's shitty because, like, he has, like, a whole house of them. And, like, he Beth obviously doesn't know, so he would be, like, cheating on her. And she's like, yeah, I've seen him, like, looking at me like he's getting away with something. So, like, he doesn't deserve to marry Beth. Like, that part is shitty. But we later find out that the current Duke, Hart, Ian's older brother, basically has the same shit going just without the kink. Like, you know, I would call it he's kink. He's a dom. But, like, yeah. Hart is he's, a dom, right, whereas Mavis right. is a sub. Exactly. And no one is, like – like, basically, like – like, people keep asking – like, she keeps asking Ian, like, how do you know about this about Mather? And he's like, oh, well, he told it to my brother because he thought it would impress him. And I'm like, yeah, well, no shit he thought it would impress him because it's the same shit he does. Like, what? Yeah. Why wouldn't he be like, oh, we have similar hobbies. Let me, like yeah. – We got a little – we got some kink shaming. Also some, like, sexism because, I, like, I think the thing is because they're, like, 
oh, he likes to relive his schoolboy days. Like you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, he li- oh, he likes to be a little boy. He likes to be weak like a woman. You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's a little bit of sexism in there. I'm like, listen, Mathers is a weenie and like definitely just a dick in general. But don't care. Why- Guys, yeah. men are allowed to be subs. There's yeah. no shame in that. And honestly, it seems like Hart has just overall caused a lot more damage through his kinks. So, like, if anyone deserves to be shamed in any capacity, it's Hart. Well, to be fair, Hart is – I mean, he's not kink-shamed, but he is. I mean, he's kind of kink-shamed. Like, Ian is um. like <laughs> – at one point – I mean, late, like, later on. We can talk about this later. But Ian at one point, while while he's calling out Hart for, like, in general stuff, he does kind of, like <laughs> – He's like, yeah, anyway. So he's holding her hand the entire fucking time. And he gives her a note. She's like, oh, my God, why would you tell me this? And he's like, because I have a really loyal valet who uh, <laughs> investigates shit for me. <laughs> and because I don't like Mathers and I think he's a weenie. And then he's like, but you could marry me. And she's <laughs> like, are you insane? And he's like, Yes. Would you like to marry me? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes, and also I just want to say, so she's a widow, right? She's like Mrs. Beth Ackerley. And her whole her whole sitch, Beth whole sitch, she grew up, her dad was like a con artist pretending to be like a French Viscount. So like you already know he's a shitty dude because he's pretending to be French. And then he died and like her and her mom were in like bad shit. And then her mom died and then she was alone. And then like she was like very, very poor. And then she like married this uh pastor fuck what's his title she married Uh, the religious man of the poor part of london whatever mr collins is a rector a parson i don't know they use all the names remember she married a a low-level church of england guy and they were happy and then he died and then she became the companion to Mrs. Barrington. Important. Remember Mrs. Barrington. Despite <laughs> Can't being forget dead, her. Mrs. Barrington is possibly the third most prominent character <laughs> in this entire book. And then Mrs. Barrington died and left her all her money. So like now Beth is like this like heiress. And but she had my point is I want to say is like I like a widow who has had like a good first marriage. Like she like loved her husband. Like he was very sexual, like sex positive. Like, you know, he gave her orgasms. Like I think a lot of times when people, I think a lot of times people get really tired of widow romances. And a lot of it has to do because you're just like constantly reminded of like how shitty her first husband Mm -hmm. was. And yeah, yeah, I like that. She was like, she was like, nah, like my first marriage was good. And my second marriage is also going to be good. So like whatevs. Mm-hmm. But she says no because she's like, why would I marry this person? And like, honestly, Beth this whole time seems just like very willing to give away her like massive fortune. Like she's, I don't know, she's like finally financially, you know, independent, but she's like seems to have no heed for that. You know, obviously she's going to end up marrying Ian, but whatever. She's like, so whatever. she puts us off to Paris instead. Wait, wait, after- wait, 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 wait. We got some stuff first. First of all, Beth is like, I'm not dumb when she's talking about Mather. She's like, I know most people want to marry me, like, because I'm rich. Like, I know I don't have many other charms. And Ian is like, shut the fuck up. You are literally flawless <laughs> in every fucking way. Also, and I say again, marry me. Then, yeah, he's like, don't worry. I can't love you, though. This is important. He's like, I don't know what love is. I do not feel love at all. I will never love you. Don't worry. So I don't expect yeah. you to love me. This is important, my friends. Ian for some does thinks he does not know how to love. He's like, I don't know what that is. And I do not care to know. And then... 
Beth breaks up with Mathers. And then she goes to Paris. Yes. She goes to Paris to, like, become an artist, even though she has no idea how to draw, but whatever. It's just, like, She's living her hot girl summer. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I'm rich. And, and, I'm, yeah, and I'm gonna – so when do we get the fellers scene? So, oh, okay. No, no, no. So Beth is like, I'm gonna go to Paris. And we're like, okay, Beth's gonna go have fun in Paris. And then we get a little side clip of Lloyd Fellows, who's a Scotland, Scotland Yard inspector with a stupid name. And Mathers is like, hey, 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 remember that sex worker that got stabbed in some poor part of London the other day? Well, guess what? I was following Ian McKenzie. No reason. Don't ask me why. Not important why I was following him. It wasn't at all because I was trying to get revenge for him, like losing me, my like rich girlfriend. And I saw him go into the house of that sex worker who got stabbed. So like, hmm. And Fellows is like, well, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I've spent the last five years trying to like <laughs> send all the Mackenzies to jail. And for some reason, I am obsessed with them. So this is perfect. I yeah, I love the quotes. Like, as he's like telling him, it's like Fellers tried to conceal his impatience. He knew Lordian had gone to Paris because he made it his business to know exactly where Lordian was at all times. <laughs> he's so – and we don't find out until the very, very end why he's so obsessed with them. So you just spend the whole book being like this man – like why to get a life against he because he's constantly like oh they're like rich and they're aristocrats and they always like you know think that they can just throw their weight around and like because so we find out that like they were there was they were involved in like another murder of a sex worker they were like connected to it in some way like five years ago and he like was like ready to pin it on them and then his superiors were like don't talk to the Mackenzies. Like, you're literally mm-hmm. not allowed to talk to any of them, like, ever. You're going to be fired. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, extra pissed because he's like, oh, they're just throwing their weight around. But it's not even, like, a class. Like, he just, like, hates all the aristocracy. It's just no. specifically these four men. Yeah. <laughs> these yeah. four brothers. I mean, I would say he hates their dad. He hates their dad, too. Yeah, but their dad's dead. dead, dead so it but yeah, yeah, exactly. There's yeah, he's no just determined, like, not just to, like, yeah. get them, like, to literally, like, get them hung. Like, yeah. he's like, I want them dead. And you're like, yeah. bro, Lloyd, <laughs> Lloyd, <Yeah. laughs> let's let's simmer down for a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, he is on the trail again. And he's like, I'm going to go to Paris. And uh, technically, I don't have jurisdiction there. So, like, technically, I'm not breaking any rules by harassing them in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I just I took some vacation time. And just not heard of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, cut to Beth painting. And this man who looks very much like Ian waltzes up to her and starts, like, condescendingly, like, telling her how to draw. Like, he's like, oh, you're holding the pencil wrong. Which, like, I get we're supposed to think, like, it's Mac. It's it's Ian's brother, Mac, who is, like, an artist. Think Benedict, Benedict Bridgerton yeah, from the show. That's, like, who I'm Should picturing. we say all of the Mackenzie brothers? Oh, sure. So, it's – so, Hart is the oldest. He's the current Duke. The second – oldest is Cameron he is also a widower um because his wife um tried to like kill their infant son and then tried to kill him and then eventually just stabbed herself um and he has a younger son he has a son called Daniel and then the third the third brother is Mac Mackenzie and he is separated like legally separated but still technically married to his wife Lady Isabella, who like they separated like three years ago. And the reason like Mac and Isabella are just like constantly stalking each other in Paris yeah. and then being like, no, I don't want to talk to them ever. Like there's a lot of setup because their book is next. There's a lot of yeah. setup for their book. And then the youngest is Ian. Yeah. And so Mac comes up to Beth and he's like giving her unsolicited drawing lessons. And then he's like, come over to my house and I'll give you drawing lessons tomorrow or like, you know, something. And then he leaves. 
and who replaces him but this like hot lady but Isabella is like she's like I want to warn you against Mac like he doesn't have a heart he doesn't care or whatever and Beth's like oh hold on hold on like don't you don't have you do not have to worry about me you do not have to worry (laughs) about me because I like I don't know like I'm only here for drawing lessons Mac only wanted to talk to me because he knew that I knew Ian basically yeah and so then Isabella is like oh ho ho like I I spy a matchmaking opportunity and she's like Beth you have to come live with me like randomly <laughs> so Beth and her maid Katie who like just totally disappears like well not no, really she's like there in the yeah, background she's throughout. they go live with I- Isabella and then cue like just random scenes of like Ian stalking Beth yeah. and like so, Ian, Beth, so yeah. Ian's talking to Mac and Mac is like yeah I'm gonna give her drawing lessons and Ian is like well I could very easily arrange to be in the room during Beth's drawing lessons and I'm just so like imagining her like him like in just in the shadows because he's specifically like yeah. he like implies like he's like so I can smell her or something and I'm just imagining him like in the shadows like hiding behind draperies like while Beth's That's exactly like, how it's described <laughs> Beth walks in and it's like Ian stepped out from the shadows <laughs> Um, we pop on over to Beth comes downstairs and Ian is playing the fucking piano in Isabella's drawing room. And she's like, uh, hello. And he's like, hey. And then they play Gilbert and Sullivan, like the Pirates of the Panzans. And it was just like very bizarre to me. Like, I know that's historically accurate. This takes place in like, some, I don't know, the 1880s or something. But it's just like very bizarre to me to like think about how Gilbert and Sullivan were like writing musicals in like the 1880s. I don't know. That just seems like way too early for that to have happened even though like that's when it did like i don't know i imagine musicals being invented like the 1920s like i know this is not true but like (laughs) i just don't imagine them happening before then (laughs) when was my fair lady written like the 1940s 30s 40s 20 yeah really i don't know rachel my fair lady is an abomination for those of you that don't know my fair lady is based on the george bernard shaw play pygmalion Pygmalion very, very significantly does not end with like, I don't know, the two main characters, the like Eliza Doolittle and whatever the fucking dickhead doctor's name is. Like it very specifically like it's like the it's like makes fun of the idea of them like being in a happy romantic relationship at the end. It's like this is that's literally absurd. Like this guy is a total dick and she's like way too good for him. And then my fair lady came along and was like, hey, Bernard Shaw, (laughs) fuck you. Fuck you. We're going to make this a fucking romance. And you know what? I, as someone who thinks that everything could have more romance, this is one of the few situations where I'm like, absolutely fucking not. No, it's My Fair Lady is an abomination. I hate that musical so much. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Anyway. Fair enough. I have never, I don't think, sat through My Fair Lady or or seen Pygmalion. I haven't sat through it either, but... I just I I did like watch Ber- once, George Bernard but... Shaw, and I know that he is a very grumpy Irishman who was like very pissed off when people were trying to like <laughs> when people saw Pygmalion and were trying to be like, oh yeah, they end up together, right? And he was like, you guys are idiots, <laughs> fools. Okay, so they play it, and then Isabella comes down and she's like, why are you playing pirates so loud? Whatever. All right, yeah. So they make out a little bit. And then we have like a – they make an arrangement, like a little sex arrangement. They're like, we're going to fuck. We're going to be lovers. She also like talks about her bustle and how like hard it is to move in her bustle. And like once again, as I stated in Marrying Winterborn, allow me to emphasize how much bustles su- suck and how ugly they are and how stupid they are. 
<laughs> and we get a little bit of like corset positive positivity in the beginning. Like I can't remember what exactly it was, but they're just talking about how like it's nicely structured and like I don't know, like comfy or something. Yeah. And we and we were like, oh yeah, like this is great. And then second half of the book, just like no. right after right after right, like corset slander. No. I was <laughs> but a question <laughs> for you. I forget whether this is like it's specifically in this scene. Oh no, she's like. She's like, wow, my nips are super hard because I'm turned on, right? And a mm. lot of times in historicals, like these, like you can always see for some, like somehow, like you can always see the girl's nips like through her like outfit. And I have like never, I've never understood. And Rachel was supposed to do an experiment with her own clothes, but like she didn't. So I'm sorry, we can't report the results here. But like it's always like yeah we can like oh I can see your nips like through your outfit except that like historically like, even if we're, t- we're talking about like Regency era which is like significantly less clothing than like Victorian era so let's even go back there like you're still wearing a chemise stays most almost certainly some sort of like under whatever petticoat thing and then like the o- the dress over that. So like even but even if you're not wearing the petticoat thing, like there's still three layers between your nips and the outside world. Yeah. And I've always been like, how the fuck? Because in this instance, it's specifically like the boning in Beth's corset, because you know, corsets have boning now because it's the Victorian era. Like the boning in the corset prevents her nips from being seen. She's like, oh good, like I'm not being exposed because of like the structure of my corset. And I'm like, even without that, you're wearing three layers. Can, <laughs> can like people report back? Can you just please tell me? I'm just like, I truly, um, I truly Alfin. never understood this. Alfin, I just have three words for you. Crucifix, nail nipples. Oh my God. Yeah, but That's she's naked. <laughs> she's naked in that. <laughs> Anyway, please report. Please report back. Have you ever been wearing multiple layers of clothes? Let's say like three layers of clothing, and let's take into the fact that that modern clothes are going to be like thinner than like what you're going to get here. You're wearing three layers of clothing, one of which is a bra. Have you ever been able to see your nipples through your shirt? Ever? <laughs> I just, I don't understand. All, the people who write romance novels have nipples. Like, uh, what kind of experience are you guys having with your nips? I don't understand. I've never once had them. Anyway, <laughs> they make out. You can't see. And Beth is like Beth, Beth is constantly throughout. Like we, we talked about Mrs. Barrington throughout the book. Beth is like, oh, Mrs. Barrington would say to do this, and then she proceeds to like completely disregard like the Mrs. Barrington yep. advice. And Beth is like, after all, like why should I not make out with this hot man in my drawing room? Like if I want to, and I'm like, yeah, I love this. Go, <laughs> go, Beth. Good for you. I mean, you're going to marry him in like two days. But like, you know, for now, you're just living your hot girl summer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she also does like constantly like towards the end, like she's like, yeah, Mrs. Barrington always said like ladies shouldn't drink despite the like decanter of whiskey in her bedside table. And she like (laughs) knocks back a fucking like, yeah, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So next thing that happens is that fellow, Mr. Fellow, Inspector Fellows comes and corners Beth and basically is like. I, I'm here to warn you, like, you need to not throw in your lot with the Mackenzies because, like, I won't be able to protect you. And then he also is like, why don't you marry me? Like, he also <laughs> – does he get a, does he get a book or no? Because, like, I just don't – it just seems so random. I think so. At, at I don't this know. Point, I only ever read the first four. Yeah. 
I was like, at this point, like, let's just play a game. Like, how many marriage proposals will Beth get? Because honestly, like- she's hot as fuck. And, <laughs> like, why not? Yeah, she's like, you should marry me. Also, they've they've murdered two sex workers. Just an FYI. Also, um, if you won't marry me, what if what if you spy on them for me? Mm-hmm. And Beth is like, no, man, I am loyal. I ain't no narc. Yeah, and then he like momentarily tries to blackmail yeah. her. He's like, I know about your background. Like, I'll tell on you to them. And he's like, I won't be merciful. Like, if you throw in your lot with them, like, you'll, I'll, I'll have you as an accomplice. And I was like, I was just like laughing at this because what an empty threat. Like, at this <laughs> point in time, not only would a woman like not go to jail for her husband's crimes, if a woman committed a crime, but like her husband told her to do it, she wouldn't even go to jail because it's called marital coercion. It's just like assumed that like husbands were so like, you know, physically domineering and abusive that like her life was at stake if she didn't like obey it. So yeah. like that, that was because she was coerced. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> I don't you know. might not have been able to own property, my friends, but you could have avoided a murder charge simply <laughs> by blaming your husband. <laughs> yep. Small comforts, my friends. Small comforts. Yeah. So Beth is like, fuck no, I'm loyal. And Beth, listen, guys, Beth knows how to deal with cops because Beth is like, you know what? I have a lawyer. Why don't you go fucking speak to him, dickwad? Like, we're done. And friends, (laughs) once again, I know we've said it. I forget which episode we said it on. But uh, just a reminder, if a cop ever comes to you. Do not speak to them without a lawyer because the cops are never your friends. They are net. They're always they're just trying to convict as soon as possible. They don't really care. (laughs) Do not speak to cops without a lawyer. (laughs) Do not let them come into your house without a warrant. (laughs) Be like that. Direct them to your lawyer at all times. Anyway, um, Ian pops up and he's like, oh, my fucking God, you're talking to Beth. I can't. You're not allowed to talk to Beth ever I am going to kick your ass. And Fellows is like, fuck you. And Ian is like, fuck you. And it's like, yeah, it's like that. Um, fuck. What's that video where it's like, what's your name? Ezekiel. Fuck you, Ezekiel. What's your name? What's your name? Tony. Fuck you, Tony. And then they just scream, fuck you. Like, it's just like two men, like yeah. across, like, like one of them is on an island and like they're just screaming fuck you like that's what this is until like fellows finally like stomps stomps out <laughs> yep also at one point ian is like wow like i want her to suck my dick and also i want her to give hickey to leave hickeys on my dick yeah is that a, is that a thing i just can't no, she imagine. she thinks that while no, she's she's no, like no, wanted no, to do no, a love no, bite no, 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 no. No, 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 because he thinks it. And then later on, when she gives him a blowjob, she's like, oh, I want to leave a hickey on his dick. But they both are like, he's like, I want her to leave hickeys on my dick. Like it just in his mind. He does not say this out loud. And then like three chapters later, Beth is like, oh, I want to leave hickeys on his dick. And I'm just like, is that like, I don't. Would that ever not be just extremely painful? Like, I I'm intrigued. If anyone has ever like non painfully like left hickeys on a dick before, let us know. Write it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, just like don't like whether you've received a hickey on your dick or whether like you've left a hickey on your dick on another person's dick. Yeah, I don't know because that, that just seems like it would be so pain. Like that just seems like there would be no way. Like think about how hard you would have to suck. <laughs> 
it and just like, seems and what, like <laughs> on what part like you know like it doesn't really yeah later on they're invited to a ball and the only thing that happens here is like ian sends her a note and he's like make haste like come urgently to this room upstairs yeah. and she's like oh my god what's wrong like i have to go and she like runs upstairs she's like oh what's wrong and he is like i i just want to like make out like yeah like what and she's like i literally thought someone was fucking stabbing you and (laughs) but they make out anyway and it's fine now beth is in the park fellows like accosts her in the park and then ian sees once again ian sees fellows talking to beth and he is like comes to like he almost like he just goes absolutely feral he's like ready to beat fellows up but also like it's described as like he has like a walking stick and it's described as he has like rage in every step mm-hmm. and all i am picturing is like an old man like shouting get off my lawn <laughs> except it's like ian being like get off my woman and just like beating him with this walking stick like it's just like i have difficulty exactly. taking this seriously <laughs> anyway mac 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 and curry ian's ballet have to hold uh, Ian back and fellas is like I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too and then like scurries off into like the rat hole that he comes from um, but it's so so cute when um like after like Mac calms Ian down he like gives him a little kiss on the forehead and I just really like there's like we get like a lot of moments like this throughout the book of like the Mackenzie brothers just like yeah they're like you know quote unquote man like man's men like you know like they're like tough and like scottish and all that but like they're they just are constantly showing like little like tender moments and like physical affection and like telling each other that they love each other and it's just like really like cute i'm like oh look at at you guys like look at you good for you good for you scottish man (laughs) (laughs) yeah she she gets naked like totally naked in max art studio and this is when ian is like her waist snipped in from years wearing a corset (laughs) and i was like this book was doing so well it was doing so well with not with not slandering courses <laughs> guys it's just not it's not of course it does not change like maybe maybe for like an hour or two afterward you've been wearing a particularly tight like the imprint will still be left you know what i mean it's like the same thing That's as if you're wearing a fucking tight like... bra i know but i'm saying like same thing if you're wearing a tight bra if you've been wearing spanks like you're like there'll be there'll be imprints left because something tight has been against your skin but there's no such thing as permanent body modification from wearing a corset it's not how it works it does not change your anatomy you know why because you have ribs and hip bones no and also just think about like logically where is the matter going there's a certain amount of like flesh it would have to go out in some other direction it doesn't make any sense also like those imprints are not the same as like it's not like your body's like play-doh like it has to go somewhere no. i don't know yeah no it's so listen friends cor- wearing corset does not change your anatomy does not like it doesn't move your fucking organs however much like the illustration the, like fake ass illustrations you see from like victorian of like the organs being moved around are like fake they're made up by like jealous ass doctors who were like mad that women were having autonomy and were also just wanted to like make out make like make fun of women and like whatever it's not true and i was so like i read a fucking article from like 
every time I read an article in which an actress has to wear a corset and then is like, oh my God, I could feel like my organs being squeezed and it was horrible and it was like so tight. And I'm like, that's not the corset's fault. That's because you're wearing an article of clothing that doesn't fit you. If I wear a fucking bra that was too tight, I'd have trouble breathing too. Like, it's not changing your I feel like the organs thing is like it's the same thing as like the oh women can't go on trains because their uterus will fly out. Yeah. Like the whole concept of like organs being able to move around willy nilly. Like they used to think that guys. Like yeah. when trains went like thirty miles per hour. Twenty five. Like, yeah. This was twenty five miles were an hour. Not like speeding along. and cars too. Yeah. Yep. They're like oh they can't go. Women going on bicycles. They're like oh my god no like it's gonna be hard like oh my god I just. It's so fucking stupid. Stop the corset slander. They're just bras. They're bras with better back support. And men wore them too. And women have been wearing them. And women have been fucking working in fields. Like it wasn't just the aristocrats. Like all women wore stays and corsets. It, oh God. Like so dumb. Bring back the corset. I want I'm tired of my fucking shoulders have permanent having permanent <laughs> indents in them for my bras. Like I'm whatever. I could have great posture now, but instead I have hunched shoulders. Yeah, because that's like I always I never understood why people would say that sports bras were so comfortable because I could I can't wear a sports bra for like long periods of time without getting a headache because it's like pinch like the crisscross kind. Because it's like pinching, you know, I don't know, like some nerve. But then like just during the pandemic, I discovered like sports bras that just had like normal straps. It's so much better. But like what would yeah. be even better is not having straps at all. So like hmm. – Yeah. Well, I also for a long time with sports bras, I had to buy sports bras that were like two sizes too small. I mean I still kind of well, have yeah. to I have to buy sports bras that are smaller because my boobs are too big. And when I run, if it's not like they're not super compressed, it's painful. Anyway, yeah. So they're making out. Ian also has a thought where like he's like, I'm going to make Beth like – so fucking horny i'm gonna give her so many orgasms like she is just gonna like be so obsessed with me and she's gonna have to stay for me forever yeah and i was just like reading this and i was like so like ian is kind of like is he like pavloving death like beth but like with orgasms (laughs) like he's just trading her so like every time she sees him (laughs) she just like creams a little like i was like wow brilliant honestly like i wouldn't mind being Pavlov with or you know like i feel like <laughs> if you're gonna be manipulated by a man like orgasms are not the stick. worst yeah. way yeah. yeah and when when she's like doing her pitch she's like she's like we can have a i forget what she calls it yeah, like a, an affair or whatever he like I, she asks she asks it like in a question or something she's like without getting married and he like doesn't answer and in his head he's like not answering is not the same as saying no <laughs> he's like and his whole plan is like we're gonna get married okay so the next thing it's that happens is they go to a casino and it is very much like a speakeasy like it's hidden i guess like well it's a speakeasy for gambling like roulette is illegal in france i guess which is like bizarre frankly like I thought the yeah. French were chill. It's like bizarre yeah. that they would like make anything illegal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> they go in. But, gambling, but then the cops are coming. The cops, the cops are coming. Are coming. <laughs> There's a raid orchestrated by who else but Inspector Bellows. He's like tipped them off because he's been stalking. He makes it his business to know where Ian McKenzie is oh at all God, times. So weird. Um, so Ian gets oh, her out. Also, he's like, gotta go. And also importantly, this whole time he's again been holding her hand. And we were talking about <laughs> how like she's wearing gloves. Like they're all wearing gloves this whole time. And like you were saying like, oh, it wouldn't be so bad to have someone hold your hand if like you're wearing gloves because you can't like feel their hand sweat and that's the worst part. Yeah. But I think for me that'd be even worse because your hands can sweat inside gloves. And just like the concept of wearing gloves at all times, I just – I never realized just how horrible that sounds. Like I don't know. I can't – I – yeah. 
Like I hated socks as a kid and I would like throw them <laughs> off. But obviously that was like, you know, beat out of me. Not literally beat out of me, but like the world beat it out of me. <laughs> but <laughs> my hands, like can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I would like it. But I also think that if I had been wearing them from like a young age, you know what I mean? Well, if that's I, what I'm saying. You would have been beaten out of me, I guess. Like, trained, like I wouldn't the have. Same as socks, yeah. Yeah, anyway, but she's holding his hand. He, she, he holds her hand even as they're running through the streets of Paris and they eventually roll up at this seedy tavern and they're like, one room, please. And they go in. There's a sexy bath scene. And then he like lifts her up out of the tub and like it, the description of like her being wet and like him lifting her up out of the tongue it's like out of the tub is like making me like it, it was giving me like selkie vibes like you know the selkie mm. um not the clothing brand the um like the the myth of like the seal women like those oh, are yeah. selkies uh-huh. right about like the women who like they they take their skins off their seal skins off and then if like you capture the seal skin like you like control them and then so like all the myths are like these terrible men like basically like forcing these women to marry them and i just that's what i just like got i got this like vibe i was like she i got like seal woman vibes from like that description planning to trick her into marrying him in fact yes (laughs) yeah also like she's like oh my dress is ruined because it was like because it was raining before, like that's why they're they're so cold or whatever. It was raining, and she's like, "Oh, my dress is ruined." I'm like, "Why?" I feel like this is a common theme of clothing, like being caught in the rain and then being like, "Oh, it's ruined." But like, do they not wash their clothes? Like, how could like I just yeah. don't understand? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like stained. Well, maybe it's like there's certain kinds of fabrics that like I don't know. They have to be washed a special way because like you like remove water part will of it, stain the them. outer. Maybe they have to remove like the outer part or something. I don't know. Like the frills whatever well that's also the thing that's why you wore a lot of undergarments is because so that like your outer dress didn't have to be washed as frequently so it could mm. like be worn multiple times without being washed and all you had to do was wash the like more durable undergarments yeah that's the purpose of them that's why you wear a chemise ladies and gentlemen so that you don't have to fucking sweat in your corset <laughs> and you don't get like get marks blisters yeah yeah there's some lovely heating bricks here which is something that always sounds so nice until you remember that today we just have like indoor heat. <laughs> you don't need to have like a brick no, just here. Okay, no, because because of that time when I yeah. when I stayed in that Tudor lady's house, so I I went up to um, Northern England so I could be in the do my little Pride and Prejudice tour of the Peak District, and the Airbnb that I stayed at was this woman who like was just really obsessed with Tudor England and like her whole thing was like decorated with Tudor England and like her son like made fucking like armor like Tudor armor and she was like making her own beer and she offered me some and it was it was just whatever but her room the room she didn't have the heat on and this was like northern England in like April so it was like chilly and her big it was a big like Tudor canopy bed <laughs> and it was like warm but then she also she had a heating pad underneath like the sheet like the the like top the fitted sheet of like the whole bed and that you could like turn it on and it was like the fucking cozy like that's what that's what I'm imagining like heated mm. bricks it like you don't like when it's like below you too and it's just like oh it was so fucking cozy like it was I, I sat and I watched 2005 Pride and Prejudice and I just really vibed indeed but even that's like a modern thing so I feel like it's still better better than like just bricks <laughs> but <laughs> basically um so okay so they spend the night together in the hotel and this is when they finally have penetrative sex and beth is like oh like i hope we're not gonna get in trouble or something like, i don't know how it works out but ian's like oh actually 
I knew that Fellows hates me and he's going to follow me here and that you're going to have no choice but to marry me. Sorry. Which is kind of shitty of him. But I mean, he's not the one who orchestrated the raid at least. So like they're really – I don't really know what way out of this they had besides like trying to go home. But yeah, he basically brings her downstairs and he's like, actually, here I have a priest. And Beth <laughs> is like, I'm not Catholic. And Ian's like, don't worry. We can have another ceremony in Scotland. And I don't know. You were saying like, I'm that's, like, okay. That's so still she's not like, the Church I'm of England. I'm C of E. I'm C of E, right? Which is the Church of England. And he is like, don't worry. We can get married in Scotland. And I like, I know this is a technicality. I'm sure it's the same thing. But like, Scotland is also not in the Church of England. They're in the Church of Scotland. It's a different fucking church. And they do have different rules. Like, there's like more rule. Like, you get, if you were divorced, you could get married in the Church of Scotland. Like, that was a whole thing until like fucking like recently. That's well, the thing. Maybe, maybe they're planning to like ship in a C of E reverend or whatever to Scotland because it's closer and it's easier. And it wouldn't be the first time the British have tried to ship things into Scotland. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm like, Beth, it, Ian, like the fuck, Scotland is still not the Church of England. <laughs> Still anyway. not the same thing. But he's like, he's convincing her. She's like, oh my God, no. Like he, like Curry shows up, the the priest shows up, Max shows up, like everyone is there for the wedding. She's like, are you, what? And, but Ian is saying shit like, I know, I know, I know that this man has cornered her into marrying him. I understand this. I know this is a little coercive. I know that it's not great. I adore it. And he's also saying shit like he's like saying shit like we belong together. Like we both don't really fit into society, but like we fit together. And then he like holds her hand to his heart. And I'm like, for for a man that says he does not know how to love, like this boy has got all the right moves. <laughs> like he's here. Yeah. All the right moves and all the right places. Yeah. We're going down. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, so they go out. Fellows is like, I'm going to arrest you for kidnapping Mrs. Ackerley. And Ian is like, <laughs> Mrs. Beth Ackerley is no longer here. Lady Ian McKenzie is. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, fuck you. And they all, all of them, Curry, Mac, Ian, they all laugh in Fellows' face, hop in a carriage and head back to Scotland. Oh, my God. So they're rolling up in Scotland. They're at the Ducal Estate. It's called Kill Morgan. Beth meets all the servants who are all Scottish, obviously, because we're in fucking Scotland, but also all red haired. And I'm just like, listen, listen, I know that Scotland has a lot of red haired people like that's that's where you want to go if you want to like meet a red haired person like bunch in there far more than the rest of the population in the world. But I just feel like for all your servants to have red hair like that has to be something that you purposefully seek out like that's not, not just a matter of like hiring the local vi village lads like that's like oh you don't have red hair you can't fucking work for the Mackenzie's <laughs> and just like what a commitment to the aesthetic like like it's implied that like Hart the Duke is like super obsessed with being Scottish and also like later on you find in his book like he's super obsessed with Scottish independence he's like I want scotland to like secede from the united kingdom and so but so like i get it like it's on brand for him to like only hire red-haired servants <laughs> but like like what an interesting what a choice to make mackenzie's yeah so something that you skip though before they get to kill morgan first of all there's a lovely basket of wine and bread mentioned i just wanted to say that the jam and cheese is missing but it does, it's a nice road snack um but they stop <laughs> to pick up a ming bowl that ian 
has oh, yeah. like he really wants it. And Beth finds out like he called like like he knew it was there. It's not like they just like happened upon it. And he was planning to leave Paris like no matter what either way. And she's like, oh, so you would have left like no matter what? And Ian's like, I would have brought you with me no matter what. I wouldn't have left you like as if, as if. And we find out that the reason he's there for the bowl is because Mathers wanted it. And Mathers like walks in right after and he's like, I'm going to sue both of you because like you could sue people for breaking off an engagement back in the day. Or whatever. Basically, Ian like buys him off by like he comes in with another bowl and Ian like buys it for a lot more than Mathers was like planning to buy it for. And we find out with Ian, like Ian does not barter. He just like – he sniffs the bowl. He gives it a little lick and he like immediately knows what its quote unquote intrinsic <laughs> worth is. So like in the beginning, <laughs> he bought a bowl for Mather for like half price, like what Mather thought it was worth. Here in this scene, he buys the bowl from the from like the merchant for 600 when the merchant wanted to sell it for 300 And then he pays Mather like 1200 for something he was going to trade for like 500 And Beth is like constantly commenting on how Ian like doesn't have to worry about like details and whatever like because his money. ballet who we haven't mentioned. Not just curry. money but like Yeah, we curry. mentioned curry. Oh, curry. Sorry, sorry. Curry. Yeah. Who curry – Curry does curry it Curry just him. like handles everything Yeah. And this is just like, yeah, Ian just does not have <laughs> like any concept and no – yeah. No thoughts. No, no thoughts, just Ming porcelain vibes. And tastes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. And, t- and sniffs and smell all yeah. the senses for Ming porcelain. So back at Kill yeah, Morgan. Kill Morgan and yeah. Hart is there unexpectedly. And Hart is a dick to Beth. He's like brushing her off. He's like constantly rude. And Beth is like, I'm good. How are you? Like he's like talking about her like in the third person like as if she isn't there. And she's like, I'm good. Nice to meet you. How are you? Like, oh, guess what? Uh, You're my brother-in-law now. Okay, bye. And like yeah. she leaves with Ian and Ian is just like, that was, f- I literally have <laughs> such a fucking boner right now. He's like, this is the most amazing thing that I've ever witnessed. Like, this is yeah. Because Ian thinks that the only reason Hart, because Ian, I don't know if we said this, but Ian like basically has a perfect memory like he can remember any conversation like any numbers like everything and so Hart like often asks him to like consult basically and like tell him what to do for like like, politics yeah and Ian like has a perfect memory so he's like very good for that and Ian thinks that like that's the only reason that Hart like sprung him from the asylum because he's like useful to him or whatever but yeah so Hart so Beth basically stands up to Hart and like no one ever does. And Hart is like a total dick. I don't know. This every the, the whole like drama that's gonna happen at the end of this book is completely Hart's fault. Just keep that in mind. It's definitely it. Listen, Hart also has a lot of trauma, but definitely yeah. his fault. Not an excuse, but like, you know. So there they go to dinner. Once again, Beth is roasting Hart. But also we discover that Ben researched Min Ming porcelain because they're like talking about the bowls and like Ian shoulder his collection. And he's like, Oh, how do you know all this? And she's like, Oh, I read a book in Paris. And I just I'm like, just love I just love when they research each other's yeah. interests. And they're just like, Yeah. Because Ian's whole thing in the beginning, like Mather was like, Oh, I'm gonna sell this bowl to you to like get money to buy my new wife, like horses or whatever. And Ian's like, oh, why, yeah. would, why would any woman ever want horses and dresses instead of this Ming bowl? Like, what are you crazy? <laughs> and then, like, earlier in the scene when they stopped on the way from Paris to buy the bowl, like, Beth says something like, oh, aren't, like, Ming bowls and vases, like, the same? And Ian's like, no, no, no. Have I made a mistake? <laughs> but then don't worry. Beth is going to redeem herself, like, here and then later. When yeah, she, she, like, he her. shows yeah. her his collection and then he, like, gives her one of the bowls that he bought, like, the, like, yeah. like the red and white one that she liked. Yeah. And he's, she She's like, oh, my God, like, thank you so much. This is so sweet. And he's like, better than a team of horses. And she's like, uh, <laughs> yes, but a weird question. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like hey, good, hey. good. 
So, <laughs> so yeah. So after dinner, Ian goes to memorize a treaty and Beth goes and hangs out in the garden with the dogs. And then Hart, like the creepy little bastard he is, sneaks up behind her and is like, I know what you're up to. And he's like, I know that like you – you saw Ian, like he was vulnerable and you were trying to like just get him for his money, like poaching him. And she's like, uh, I guess your information didn't go far enough to tell you that I already have my own money. And he's like, a hundred thousand pounds and a house. Like that's nothing compared to Ian. Which like <laughs> I'm still unclear on how how like younger brothers' money worked because I feel like I always thought that like you basically get nothing if you're a younger sibling, but like what's the deal with that? It's so basically it's like you, you don't you have it. you have nothing if your like father slash older brother doesn't give you anything. But like I think it's like I guess it's like implied that like like they Kill Morgan like a- is like such like a vast estate and like so rich that like Hart can afford to provide his brothers with like ample living. And also they also all have their own like Cameron like trains horses and like he's a horse breeder like that's his thing mm-hmm. he's like super good at it so like he has his own income like Mar- Mac is like a talented painter so like he has that income and Ian like at one point they do say that like oh when he came out of the asylum um, that like he like helped out with the family investments and is like really increased like they were already rich but he's mm-hmm. like quadrupled their wealth so like yeah. Ian has like they're all sort of like contributing, but yeah, typically like younger brothers don't have anything. But like, if your brother wants, it's like the same thing in Bridgerton. Like, yeah. Benedict can afford to be an artist. Colin can afford to go colonize. Gregory <laughs> can afford to have nine kids and literally do nothing else with his life because Anthony is like providing for all of them. Yeah. So yeah, he's like basically. I know you're like trying to get one over on us, and like I'll ha- I'm gonna have the marriage annulled like a hundred percent. And he's like, I bet you learned a thing or two in the workhouse because, like, Beth lives in a workhouse, yeah. which is just, like, such a dick thing to say. Like, he's even though he recognizes that her mom got scammed and, like, you know, she doesn't come from – I mean, this is, like – I mean, this is all just, like, the cyclical, like, hypocritical, nonsensical, like, bad blood thing because they'll be, like, oh, blood well out. But it's, like, her mom had, like, quote-unquote good blood. Like, her grandfather was a squire. So doesn't that, like, disprove your theory in the – whatever. He's mean. He's like, I know you had rats in your like rectory with your with your old like dead husband. And she's like, Yeah, we did. It was a whole family. Nebuchadnezzar and his wife and their three children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> They're like, and but he's like, This woman is insane. Oh my god. Which if you don't know is an old testament reference. Um, yeah. You've ever seen Veggie Tales? It's a the niche bunny. Bible reference. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't get it unless you're cool and watch Veggie Tales. But <laughs> But Beth, Beth, like, once again, she calls hard out. She's like, why? Like, you don't believe – you actually believe Ian is mad. Like, you, like – even though you got him out of the, like, asylum, like, you still think he's crazy. Like, you're infantilizing him. Like, why don't you believe that, like, you can't – you don't believe that, like, I could actually love him. And Hart, like, doesn't answer. But, like, you know, that's, like, an answer and, and of Hart's like, yeah, he is crazy. Yeah. And – like Beth is like, fuck you. And Hart is like, you're still getting a divorce. And he turns around. And once again, just like with the fellows scene when fellows asked Beth to spy, like Ian is there and like Hart like bumps into him. And Ian is like, I will kill you if you touch my wife ever again. Like I mm-hmm. I will rip off your fucking hands. Mm-hmm. And it's great. I really love these scenes where um Ian just threatens to murder anyone who <laughs> who's mean yeah. to her in the slightest way. <laughs> Yeah, so Hart finally backs down, but he's like, "Don't worry, I'll get an annulment like at the drop of a hat if you do anything wrong." Which I don't I'll know get how you, that works. My pretty, yeah. <laughs> and so Ian takes Beth up to like his wing of the house, which 
<laughs> what exactly is a wing? Like, is it a vertical slice or is it just like – I always thought it was just like a chunk of a floor. It's unclear. But basically he has like a, a big suite of rooms or whatever and he's like, this is where – you know, we each have our own wing, all the four brothers. And this is where we bring guests if we ever have them. And Beth is like, do you often have guests? And he's like, no, you're the first one. And she's <laughs> like, well, if someone has to marry you to be your guest, I'm not surprised you haven't had more. And Beth is like constantly – Beth is like very sarcastic. She has like a very like wide sense of humor. And Ian is constantly like, I don't understand what the is fuck you're talking about but like that's cute anyway <laughs> he's like whatever like oh little beth he's like patagon yeah <laughs> he also constantly is just like zoning out and stops listening when she's talking and we hear this like he a few times everybody though he, but then finally she's like oh he took on this dance where i could tell he's like stopped listening to me but i know that like a week from now he'll come back to like an exact phrase and like grill me on it so like i guess he just like somehow imbibes the information without like actually processing it in the moment i don't know whatever yeah um so ian's like all right here's like your room but you're totally sleeping in my room and (laughs) beth is like mrs barrington told me that like i heard once that it's dangerous to sleep next to a woman when she sleeps because she exhales noxious fumes (laughs) but mrs barrington Barrington yeah i'm like what i know this is a thing in historicals that like it's like romantic that the hero is like no like we're not gonna have separate bedrooms like Mm -hmm. we're gonna share a room and like that you know it's like a grand gesture thing or whatever but i mean not a grand gesture but yeah it's like romantic but i'm like i don't know like separate bedrooms seems like pretty great like Mm -hmm. i guess if you guys have like the same sleeping habits and like neither of you snores sleeping together and you're both like in a king side bed but like otherwise like guys Men are more prone to like sleep apnea and snoring and like restless sleeping and women are more prone to insomnia. So when you combine those things in a heterosexual relationship, it means that the woman is just chronically sleep deprived. No, but also like from this perspective. So we always had twin beds. Like I had a twin bed until after college, but a lot of people have queen beds. So like you're going – even a king is only double a twin. That's like less space than you would have had as a child. Like what? Yeah. No, it's so and like yeah, if you're going, yeah, it's 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 not romantic to me. I it's always like portrayed as romantic, but I am personally a big fan of bringing back like second bed. Like I understand that most people don't have like room in their house for like each spouse to have a separate second like separate bedroom. I understand that, but I'm just saying like if possible, I feel like there shouldn't like I feel like we look down on people. We assume that like oh, a divorce is on the way if you have yeah. separate bedrooms, but I'm just like I just feel like it would be better. And statistically, for a lot of people it does actually improve your sex life. But listen, if people have enough room for their children to all have separate bedrooms, like I feel like it makes much more sense for two children to have to share a bedroom than adults. Like it's just you're an adult. The children will have plenty of time to have, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the children aren't sharing a bed like yeah. I don't know. If if it really comes down to that, like I don't know. I don't I don't know when yeah. we decided that like I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, it's not shameful. If you and your spouse have contrasting sleeping habits for both for the health of your relationship. It's better for your relationship. Even if you have this the same sleeping habit like no, I understand. But like, your sleeping habit some... is to move around a lot. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's like, I understand. Some people like sleeping together, like, like sleeping in the same bed. They like cuddling. Like, that's comfortable for them. And that's great. If that's your thing, more power to you. I just don't think it would be my thing. They have a lot of sex. And then they spend the next few weeks. Um, Beth gets riding lessons from Cameron, you yeah. think? Yeah. Cameron yeah. and his son and ian is just like bopping around like not really seeing that much of beth like 
doing businessy shit and whatnot. But then, so Beth finally gets like comfortable on a horse and like through some rigmarole, like Cameron has to go back or whatever. She's like riding by herself when she comes upon this like folly, which is like a fake ruined castle. And she overhears Hart and Ian talking and they're talking about Sally Tate and Lily Martin, who are the two murdered sex workers. And basically like both of them are talking about how like like Hart's like, why did you marry her? Like, don't you know how dangerous this is? Like, blah, 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 blah. And they're like going back and forth. And then Ian's like, um, well, we all know that like if I marry her, she can't testify against me because a wife isn't considered a credible witness against her husband. And yeah. that's like, oh my gosh, it's the only reason. But can I just say that's the way it's phrased in the book. A wife isn't considered a credible witness against her husband. That's not the reason there's a marital privilege. It's because like it's because it, the public policy is like so the state's not interfering in like a mar- marital relationship like so it's not interfering in marriage that's why you can't testify against your spouse like it's not like oh you're not credible well, but my yeah, guess is that it was probably like just like well because today it's like today it's like you can't you can't force a spouse to testify against no Mm-mm. right no the privilege belongs to the spouse who's on trial so so if you're married to someone even if you want to testify against them you can if oh. they won't let you yeah dang yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh-huh. But he we never really get an explanation of why he says this. Beth is like, you know, understandably like what the fuck? Like he the, you know, he's just like tricked me. Because to, Ian can't know. lie. My interpretation of it was that it was like he was like, Yes, that's like objectively true. He's just kind of like saying it. I, I swear to God, when I first read this book, there was like a line in which he was like where he was basically like I was just like placating like no I can't lie but like he's like yeah that's true but like I was basically just like placating hard he's like I just didn't want to like get into it about like why I wanted to marry you but like that wasn't in the audiobook but I maybe I need to go back because I have a yeah. physical copy of this book and I like I'll see if it's like in the physical copy but like I swear to god like I I was waiting for that we never got it it's like some theory shit it's like the theories saying like I can't lie to like lull you into like thinking they can't lie but like really they're just like lying in all these different you know tricksy <laughs> by omission ways that's Ian he's like his whole because his whole thing Ian is like theory. not responding is not the same as saying no <laughs> listen listen there is there is a very strong connection between like fair fairy changeling lore and like probable like historical autism like before they actually had a name for it because like so like for those of you not in the know the changeling myth is like the fairies have stolen your baby and replaced it with like an identical baby that's actually a fairy baby and so like your child like suddenly changes personality and starts acting different and it's like whatever like it's because the fairies have like done a changeling and it's theorized that a lot of these were probably just like babies on the autism spectrum Mm. that like because because it's like oh your baby stops talking oh your baby stops developing the way that like more like you know that a neurotypical baby would and so you think it's a changeling because it's usually not newborns it's usually like you know a nine-month-old and like that's usually the age that autism symptoms particularly like if you you know have a more severe form of autism like that's usually the time that it starts like be obvious and like starts to develop like when you're learning to speak and when you're learning to start, like and so yeah there's like a there's like a pretty like strong like theory that like a lot of the like quote-unquote changeling cases were probably just like autism spectrum babies huh i never heard that before it makes sense yeah mm. huh 
Ian's so a anyway, Ian is a fairy confirm. Ian is a changeling child confirm. Yeah. <laughs> Beth is like freaking out. She's like, she goes back and lays on her bed and she's like, oh, I can finally breathe now that my corset's off. <laughs> Ian comes back like in a fight about it. Ian has like a meltdown. Like he he's just like way overstimulated. He's like, oh my God, she heard it. Like, oh my God, she knows about Sally Martin. Cause Ian's whole thing, he's like, he's like, I don't want her to know about that because he's like, I remember everything. And so, and I want to be able to like separate that part because like it was like traumatizing for him because he like saw like the blood. He was like covered in her blood and like saw her blood. Like Sally Martin was stabbed. And He's like, I don't want – because I, like, remember everything, like, if Beth starts getting involved in that, then I'm going to, like, have to – I'm not going to be able to, like, compartmentalize, like, Beth from, like, that thing and I don't want her to be involved in that. Yeah. So Ian has a meltdown. He goes and, like, forces this poor garden boy to, like, load gu- a gun for him over and over <laughs> and over again and just, like, is shooting a gun at, like, random rocks. Yeah. And blowing them apart. Is that, like – I don't know. It just doesn't I mean, seem I like – Like, if I shot a bullet at a rock, I'd feel like it probably, like – anyway, he's, he's finally – and Beth is, like – finally manages to calm him down they like go back and then the next day ian dip ian disappears and this is something that we learned earlier that ian does when he gets like overstimulated or has a meltdown is that he just kind of like goes and bops off and like hangs out in the scottish countryside for like a week but like he always comes back like that's his thing so this is what ian's done he's like gone off to like hang out in the scottish countryside and just like fish with like a crotchety local man that like he's befriended. yeah and like, i just like man. i don't like read this and i was like wow i wish i too could like disappear to the scottish countryside like every time i just like needed a break from people like that just sounds like such an ideal arrangement (laughs) sounds amazing but yeah beth decides to dip as well she's gone to london to her house her house that used to belong to mrs barrington so when ian gets back and he finds out that beth is gone he's like she's gone to london to investigate like the, yeah. the, murders. Yeah, yeah, the murders she's like i'm just gonna get to the bottom of this like i don't give a fuck and well didn't they have they had like a long conversation about how ian thinks it's heart don't they yeah ian suspects heart and we later learned that like heart suspects yeah. ian they basically spent the like past five years trying to like protect each other from murder charges when it turns out that neither of them did the murder yeah because they had like kind of a heart to heart i was thinking this was later but like yeah before he goes to the, to the scottish countryside they have like an understanding where like beth you know, forgives. She's not still mad at him. She just wants to solve the mystery. Um, but Ian, Ian comes back and he's like, why did you let her go, Curry? Like, and Curry is like, what did you expect me to do? Lock her, um, I don't know why I'm doing Scottish accent. He has a Cockney accent. I can't really do that. <laughs> lock her in the dungeon. And Ian's like, yes. But, well, sorry, lock her in a dungeon. And Ian says, yes. And the implication of a dungeon versus the dungeon is that this Kilmorgan, this house has multiple dungeons, which brings me back to my question about the wings. Because you were like, oh, each brother probably has their own personal dungeon underneath his wing. But like that implies that a wing is a vertical slice, not just like a section of a floor. Like, I don't know. I think it can depend. I yeah. think wings. I think wings can be a lot of different things depending on the size of the house. I considered googling this, and then I just didn't. So if anyone, if anyone's familiar with like yeah. large house architecture, like how that works, because I'm also thinking of Beauty and the Beast, and now he's like, stay out of the West Wing or mm-hmm. whatever. West implies that it's a whole slice because like. No, yeah. West, but I think it's just like an upper floor. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like in Beauty and the Beast, I think it's just like an upper <laughs> Western floor, but like that's also a castle. So, like, can you really divide it into vertical slices? Like, is mm-hmm. that just going to be too big? But then you also, like, that just made me think, just saying this right now, remind me the show The West Wing. The West <laughs> Wing being like where the president's offices are in the White House. And like, that's a whole, like, the West Wing is like a whole, like, that's where the president lives. Like, the whole thing. 
So like, yeah. and I feel like that's multiple say. floors. Mm-hmm. No, she's not in the dungeon. She's in London, and she talks to Fell. She's not in the dungeon. She's in. <laughs> she talks to Feller because <laughs> I have the dog thing, the kind of dogs thing. I feel like she says, "Yeah." She invites. She talks to. She interviews fellows, and she's like, "Listen, mm-hmm. give me all the deets. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this because you're incompetent. Ian is being dumb. Hart is being dumb. I'm the only one that can solve this. Like, I don't understand why we allowed men to handle this case for five years. Like, y'all have let a real murderer get away. Like, I'm gonna solve. Right? This. She's like, "Can you just for a second, just a second, just." Stay with me here. Consider that you might have been wrong this whole time and get on board. She's like, can you be cool? Like, and be cool. she's like, cool she's like, like listen. <laughs> she's like, listen, the Mackenzies are nice to their dogs, all right? They can't be all bad. And <laughs> I would say that being nice to – being mean to dogs is definitely an indication of being like a mean, bad person. But I don't think – some like mean bad people can be nice to dogs, especially – like you know what I mean? Like it's not like a – it's not like an if this – you know, it's not like a contrapositive type situation. Like – some bad people are yeah. also nice to dogs. So she gets the deets from Bellers and she heads on over to her old parish to interview some of the like local sex workers who might have known Sally and Lily. And she runs into Molly, who's like, Blimey, it's the missus, who I guess like still remembers her from like nine years ago as like, you know, the Reverend's wife. Yeah. And she's like, I heard you married a right knob and Beth is like, news travels fast. Like she's like, Did you? and then oh, she also Beth also brings wait, why is Daniel with Beth? Beth Daniel, brings Daniel. Daniel, no, Daniel just like hitches a ride on her carriage and they get to the train station in Scotland. And Daniel's like, Can I come with you? Like, I just want to come with you on an adventure. And she's like, Oh, okay. Daniel sure. remembers Cameron's like 15-year-old yeah. son. And so she brings Daniel. Beth brings Daniel with her to meet to interview Molly, and Molly's like, "Oh, why'd you bring him? Did you bring him here so I could make him a man?" <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, "Ah, oh, let's get down to it." <laughs> no, he's a child. Anyway, yeah. And so Ian yeah. pops over to Mrs. Barrington's house, and the butler, who should have been loyal to Beth, is immediately is a snitch. He's like, "Oh, she went over to like this place, her old parish, but she only took like a little boy with her, so like it's probably not <laughs> safe." I'm like, "Where's your loyalty? Like, come on, this is your fucking mistress, dude. Like, and you've known her for like way long." longer whatever and then she 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 has this bit of information and then ian tells her ian tells her the deeds he's Mm -hmm. basically he's like listen i found sally tate she was stabbed she was trying to blackmail heart because she has we find out not in this book in a later book she had like nude photos of him and she was like trying to blackmail photos yeah there's a lot of nude photos in heart's past like actual photos yes it's the 1880s my dude it's the 1880s (laughs) I just think that's yeah. Wow. Anyway, they have photos, nude photos of him in his youth. Anyway, she was trying to blackmail Hart. And then like Ian saw Hart like choking Sally because like it was like a kink thing. You know, he was like, you know, whatever. And then Ian like left and then like Hart ran away. So Ian thinks Ian's at this point, he's like, Yeah, so I thought Hart did it. And Beth is like, neither of you did it. Like, there's definitely something else going on here. Mm-hmm. And Ian is like, oh my God. Like in his head, he's like, Why the fuck does she keep trying to see the good in people? Like, why can't she just admit that some people suck? Like, she's so she why is she such a good person? <laughs> and then he's true. like, and this is also when he admits – I forget how this comes up, but he he says that the reason his dad sent him to the asylum was because he saw his dad kill his mom. Mm-hmm. His dad was like, you need to lie. And Ian was like, I can't lie. And so his dad got him like committed. It's the classic – the classic you see your dad kill your mom and sends you to the insane asylum situation. Alice Cullen, Ian McKenzie. That's true. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a repetitive theme, which I feel like just speaks more to the banality of domestic violence, unfortunately. 
<laughs> but <Okay. laughs> uh, thank you, Rachel. Uh, anyway, Beth goes to Holborn House, which is Hart's sex palace that he used to own, but then he sold it to his like first mistress slash like low key a predator. Okay, so let's talk about this. Mrs. Palmer is now the owner of High Holborn House, and she like you know she's like a madame. She has a bunch of sex workers there. Like she's like Hart's former mistress. Like they run like a little kink shop. And Mrs. Palmer says that she is like thir- what, like thirteen years older than Hart, and she met him when he was twenty. Which means that, like, this woman was, like, in her 30s when she started a sexual relationship with, like, essentially a child. And I just feel like this is never really addressed that, like, how much of a predator Mrs. Palmer is. Mm. Like, that's a big age gap. That's a big age gap. Yeah, I thought where you were going was how they're all, like, basically keeping these women in, like, captivity and, like, Hart, quote, unquote, owns all of them. Like, that's the language they use. He owns them. Sure. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of sympathy for even 20-year-old heart, frankly. I mean, like, I feel like the book does emphasize that it's like consent, like it's like a dom-sub relationship. But I feel like some of the women were like trying to leave and they were like, we stopped them. No, because at one point, okay, this is another thing. I mean, this isn't in this book. It's another thing in Hart's book is that we find out that like Mrs. Palmer tried to like trick this girl into like being a sex worker and like she didn't want to do it. And Hart found out and got like really fucking pissed at Mrs. Mm-hmm. Palmer and like gate like got the girl a job and like gave okay. her money and was like, go like live somewhere else. So it's definitely like Hart is very much on the consent train okay. in this kick. If we have one good thing to say about Hart is that he he wants consent. <laughs> Yeah. I guess Mrs. Palmer sucks then. I don't know. Yeah. Mrs. Palmer's a predator. I mean, no, I mean, I mean, we know she sucked. We know she sucks, but like I wasn't thinking of it like that, but I don't know. I was always very uncomfy with that. I was like, that is nah, – I don't like this This 33-year-old woman like starting a sexual relationship with a 20-year-old guy. And I know there's like a power – like Hart definitely like say. socially has more power. But it's still like this – again, this man's frontal low, his prefrontal cortex, whatever the fuck <laughs> thing. It's His brain's not developed yet. And this like full-on adult – Here's my thing. If it was the opposite, though, like it happens all the times. Every other historical is the opposite. That's yeah, what I was it, gonna say no, but I'm creeped out by that in every other historical. Yeah, I when know. he's in his 30s, when there's like more than a 10 year age gap, I'm like, eh, I yeah, don't like it. I don't like it. Anyway, Mrs. Palmer's running the house, so Beth goes to like investigate. After <laughs> she and Ian have sex, and she, Ian's like, "Promise me not to investigate." And Beth is like, well, you can't lie, but I can. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then she, like, puts it off and she locks Ian in the room and, like, steals the key to, like, in order to delay him because she knows he's going to come <laughs> after her. So, yeah, she goes and inve- she goes as, goes as investigates. And mm-hmm. Ian comes after her. And then she sees Mrs. Palmer running down the stairs. And she's like, oh, my God, that's definitely the murderer. And then she gets stabbed. And then kidnapped by Mrs. Palmer. He just really, really is wild in here. Like the la- yeah. this last like 50 pages of this book. This completely just completely like goes off. Yeah. It's just madcap, like full speed, full throttle ahead. It's like fucking King Naka, like zoom, zero to 60. Mrs. Palmer basically stabs her because Mrs. Palmer is like, I'm about to get caught. So I need like a ransom victim and I guess like you need to be stabbed in order to be a feasible ransom victim, which I guess like, you know, this woman knows her own strength. She's like, that's pretty strong. I don't know if I could like physically overpower her without the aid of a knife. And she somehow gets Beth into a cab 
and convinces the cab driver to like think that they're drunk. Like she somehow, I just can't picture like, She's like I need to get my sister you're home. walking yeah, and covers them with a blanket so they don't see the knife in her side. But like, what? I just, she was I think she's taken out the knife at this point. I think Beth just has a stab. Wound. She's just bleeding. She's bleeding yes. out. Okay. Yes. Um, and she <laughs> takes them for some reason to Beth's old vicarage, right? Well, she's going to go to her sister's house. And then Beth is like, why don't you just drop me off at a church so like I can be found so like mm. someone can take care so I can get help faster. And then yeah. you still have time to escape. And she's like, oh, look, a church, a completely unknown to me church. Why don't we go in there? <laughs> so she goes into the vicarage of like her former husband. She's like, this is my turf now, bitch. Except yep. that, you know, she's bleeding out so she really doesn't have that much stuff anyway we get a full confession basically basically the deal is is that mrs palmer is she's like obsessed with heart and she killed lily the most recent sex worker to be stabbed because like lily was like threatening like heart and basically like mrs palmer like only cares about protecting heart she like does not give a shit whether ian hangs for it whether like anyone else hangs for it like, mm-hmm. she only cares about heart and then while like in her like while she's dying beth figures out she's like oh my god like so oh we forgot to mention this lily and sally were lovers like they were girlfriends mm-hmm. the but they got in a little spat and so yeah. it turns out so beth figures out like oh like lily must have stabbed sally like when sally broke up with her and so like she's through she was the person that murdered her and somehow somehow beth manages to like <laughs> figure this out while she's like on this pew like having hallucinations of her dead husband thomas and like in general just having a bad time of it but ian is like time to save the day and he rushes in and instead of being taken to jail mrs palmer is like uh, i'm gonna stab myself in the chest which is like the second time we've heard about someone stabbing themselves in the chest in this book. I would just like to say. Wait, what was the first time? Didn't fucking Cameron's wife stab herself in the chest? She did. She did. Yep. Which like is a very dramatic and painful and difficult, I feel like. Myth- I don't know. I don't want to. I, yeah. like, I know if you hit like a specific place by your clavicle, oh. like that's like a main artery and Yikes. you can bleed out really quickly. Yikes. Which I know from a that the Lisa Kleypas IRA book. <laughs> <laughs> you got to know that got it's inf- it's critical information when you're in the IRA. I will do that. <laughs> Had to stab someone quickly. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, so Beth gets rescued. Mrs. Palmer dies, and like I understand she's like dying, but like I don't know, like heart. He like holds her in his arms and he's like, it's okay, which is like, you know, like, I, like objectively a decent thing to do, like regardless of what this person's done, like this, you know, you had like a 20 year relationship with them, like, and they're dying in your arms, like, you know, don't be a dick. But I just feel like Hart does not, he is not mad enough about the fact that she has like already murdered someone else, attempted to murder his sister-in-law, like, in general, was, like, a bad person. Yeah. Like, I feel like Hart never really reckons with that. <laughs> no. I, like, I feel like we could get a little more. Yeah, Hart just is not, I don't know. This is all because he's a dickwad. I don't know. Whatever. Mrs. Palmer's dead, but you know who's also, who's not dead yet is Beth. Um, so Ian, like, gets her. dead. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Yeah. yeah they get her back they get they her get back her to back. the house and ian has like a standoff with heart and this is when he's like i admired you and worshipped you just like your tame sluts and this is like one of many instances where like either heart or ian or someone is just like referring to 
sex workers as like whores and sluts and like literal objects. Like I don't know. Like they're literally like, oh, yeah. well, they're not people. Like expl- I don't know. Yeah, because Ian is saying this in the thing is like, you didn't treat me like a person, which I guess is like kind of like Ian's like, you didn't treat them like people. You didn't treat me like people. Like you just used me. I see. I would say that's a that gets Ian off, except that earlier he was like thinking about yeah, no, how he has no, to no, show no. Beth respect on like, like if yeah, she was no. a whore. So I don't know. But yeah, but basically Hart's like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't. That's not how I think of you. Like I, I love you. Whatever. You're my brother. And Ian's I, like, fuck yeah. off. I don't want you here. If like, mm-hmm. if I have to say goodbye to Beth, I don't want you to be in here. Mm-hmm. Like, He's like, this off. is your fault, um, which it is. But <laughs> Beth which is Hart, like, listen, Hart yeah. does feel guilty about. Hart is n- not. There is. There is. Hart is in no capacity like trying to act like it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Hart does. He's very much like he feels the guilt of it. Mm-hmm. So like he at least has that going for him. You yeah. know what I mean? He's not totally yeah. absconding responsibility. Right. For sure. And Ian like compares him to their dad. He's like, you're just – you look just like him. Like you're in a rage and Hart's like, insult me all you want but like don't compare me to him. Like They basically all have daddy. Yeah, they, they all have yeah. various daddy drama because their dad was just like the worst person yeah. ever. So – okay. So Beth is like feverish. She's like – you know, going in and out, like all these people are visiting. Ian's like the entire time sick bed scene. I don't think he leaves once. Mm-hmm. During the sick bed scene, Ian is like, he finally learns to love. He finally realizes that he's in love with her. And he's like, he says, and I love this quote. Like this quote is like one of those quotes that's just like permanently like imprinted in my mind where it's just like, is this what love's feel feels like? I don't like it, my Beth. It hurts too much. That's oh. just the cutest fucking thing. So Ian has like learned how to change Beth's sheets. Like he's like read books on like how to be a housemaid basically. And Beth is like, oh, well, the upstairs maids aren't going to like that. Like very snobbish are upstairs maids. Like you're taking their job from them. And Ian's like, I never understand anything you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Beth is like, like in the, you know, she's like coming in on a fever. And like another one of the times she's like, she's like, oh, I solved the mystery. Like, and Ian's like, she's like, I know who killed Lily Martin. And Ian's like, I don't, I don't care who killed her. And Beth's like, but, but I solved the mystery. I solved it. Like, <laughs> Finally, you get a sick, but sick bed hand job scene because, like, she wakes up, she's like, My fever is broken, and I am horny. As well, that's shit. well, no, she's we're like, Beth, for, Beth recovered quickly from her fever, but the stab wound took far longer. Yeah, yeah, so Ian is like, Once again, he was feral when Beth had a fever, and he's feral when Beth wakes up, and he's just like, Ready, he's like, Oh my god, like. I am literally never leaving your side ever again. Not once. Like, you're mm-hmm. prepare to be sick of me. Prepare to be sick of me. <laughs> and then Beth is like, hang on. I have one more mystery to reveal. She's like, she's walking around. Like, Beth is like, acting, she's like the fucking Scooby-Doo gang. She's like walking around, like unmasking villains, like doing investigating shit. And she's like, fellows, get your ass here. And she like has purchased a fake beard and mustache and she's like put it on and he's like no and then mac and ian are like put it on bitch and then he puts it on and then she's like wow he looks exactly like your guys's dad that i saw a picture of when we were at kill morgan he's your half brother and fellas is like no and they're like ah that explains why he hates us so much because he was also also has daddy issues just like us that checks out except he's poor yeah. so yeah now they're all brothers fellows is very resistant and they're like mm, no like 
sorry you're now a member of the family we've adopted you congratulations (laughs) like no there's no escaping now (laughs) yeah and this whole time they're confronting fellows ian just does not give a shit he's just like smelling beth's hair the entire time he's like yeah yeah. like we may have gained a half brother but like beth's hair smells good (laughs) and then like ian at one point like Feller's like, I don't want to be part – like, when he's like, I, I don't want to be part of your family. Like, you're all mad. Ian, like, looks up and he's like, we're all mad in our own way. Like, I might be mad in my way, but, like, Hart is really into being a dick and Mac is really into his <laughs> horses and Cameron or whatever, his art. Like, we're all – and they all, like, stare at him and then they're, like, proof that we should always listen to the wisdom of Ian. And I feel like they're still very much, like, childizing, like, infantilizing him. They do infantilize him. Like, they're like, oh, wow, like, wow, so why? Like, the way you would say to, like, a four-year-old who who says something, like, we should all love each other, you know? But honestly, like, Ian does – this was – I did recognize that, that, like, this read-through. Like, I feel like they are, like, all probably on the autism spectrum, like, all of them. That's what Ian's saying, I feel like. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, they're all putzing back off to Scotland. Ian's like, we're going to have a wedding. And he lists, like, details of, like, Beth's dream wedding that she, like, told him, like, all the way back at the beginning. And she's like, you remember that? And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, never mind. Like, I know you remember you. everything. Yeah. And Beth is like, do you have any idea how much I love you, Ian McKenzie? And it's like, Ian couldn't see how that was relevant. So, he didn't answer. Her hair <laughs> smelled good. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. So Beth is finally nice, good enough to travel and they're going back and Hart apologizes to the train station and they hug it out. We have another great, like a night, a really nice example. Like this book really has like a lot of good examples of like men just being like openly emotional with each other. And like, it's, it's nice. I like the physical affection element. And then uh, Ian and Beth have train sex and um, with each thrust, Beth, Ian is like I love you I love you and it's a lot of I love you's just over and over and over again yeah it's nice and then we get the epilogue Beth is pregnant they have been married Ian like makes a joke and Beth is like oh is that a joke and he's like you've been teaching me to joke with your spicy tongue (laughs) and like that's how the book ends and it's great (laughs) I just really enjoyed it Catskill Mm -hmm. so thanks for adding plus two but Maybe we should just disregard that. Because, like you seem to have a lot of trouble. No, I just thought the other one was low. Matters. I was just, I was just bring. You always no, bring it with up. like the math with the adding. No, that's your problem. I was right. Ian, they have dogs. <laughs> there are no cat characters, but I feel like Beth spent a long time kind of like being Mrs. Barrington's cat. You know? Yeah. Like pet cat. Yeah. Like Ian, in a way, but I don't know if he's like cat like or dog like. It's hard to say. Beth is good at riding horses despite never having like learned how to ride horses well, before. She Which way does that? The first time. The first time, I know, but she gets good at it. Like she's able to become good at yeah, it. After so, like training every day. Like mm-hmm. I don't think she can't like gallop, but like yeah. she can like stay on the horse after like several weeks. I feel like Ian was almost dog like, like a like a Doberman or something. Yeah, like a pointer, like point, like something mm-hmm. with a like Yeah. So. I don't know. It felt it felt cat like though because I don't know. Felt like a cat would be involved in a murder plot. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Three. Okay. Two. One. Six. Four. Interesting. I thought about saying four, and then I said six. That is so separate. I don't. Know. <laughs> what? They're both even numbers. They're very similar vibes. I'll just tell you. Five. Where can they find us, Allison? <laughs> at we read it one night on instagram 
TikTok and Facebook and on Twitter at We Read It Podcast. And you can email us, we read it one night at gmail.com. And you can also, if you so choose, leave us a message in the review that you're definitely going to leave if you haven't already in after you finish listening to this episode. Five stars or else. Five stars or I'll take all of your Ming porcelain bowls and you'll never get to see them ever again. <laughs> We skipped over the whole bowl boob thing in the beginning, which is very reminiscent of like Olive in uh, the Little oh, yeah. Lyndon Mather, the guy who was like King Shane, remember? Best, ex- best like <laughs> ex-fiance. Um, in the beginning, he's like, oh, don't don't these bowls like always just remind you of a woman's breast, Ian? And Ian's like, uh, not really. Like maybe a very small boob could like fit in one, but that's as far as I'm willing to go. <laughs> And that is when Ian is like, yeah, I'm going to break up his engagement. (laughs) This man, this man is a boob. This man is comparing bulls to boobs and he is a boob. So he does not deserve to get married to anyone ever. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if there's any like sexy things you can do with like, I guess like Ming bulls are like, you know, antiques. So like you probably shouldn't be like, Uh... I just feel like, you know, I'll think on it. Please don't I'll think on it. <laughs> I'll add that. I'll add that to my my to the Rolodex. Scenario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to the Rolodex of like made up scenarios. I I go through before I go. Oh God. Sleep. All right. Don't report back. All right. All right. What? So don't report back on that. Re- I'm gonna wake you up tomorrow with like a whole scenario, a whole mingle oh story that I'm gonna have written in a fever dream at four in the morning. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. On, anyway, on that note, guys, be comrades. <laughs>